Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us 2014 Commonwealth Games representative for New Zealand, Mr. Mark Brewer. Hello and welcome, Mark. How are we, Fab? Good to be here. Thank you. Um, I'm good. Uh, and we have with us also uh, David Roberts, TAFE extraordinaire. Um, Dave? Hey, how are you going? Um, I think today's episode is a pretty interesting episode in as far as, um, you know, we're here t at TAFE, at Campbelltown TAFE. I'm based out of Macquarie Fields. Uh, sport and fitness. Um, we have a lot of student athletes that um, come through the, the, these courses, through the GAP program, also the Gracie Aboriginal Pathways. And I thought, you know, I've known you for quite a while, like on, on and off with the different training and that, that we've done. And um, I think it's a, just an interest. I think your story is a really interesting story in as far as um, the balance. You're trying to keep your balance as a student athlete, um, trying to keep your career, but at the same time pursuing your dream. Um, do you want to kick off where you were, where you were born and what you do and yeah who why is not Mark Brewer? so uh, Mark Brewer was just a boy from Motueka in New Zealand so this in the top of the South Island uh, pretty small town uh, if you you know I started out in uh, judo because you know that was just cross training for rugby I ended up there at the judo club just to uh, yeah chasing my older brother who was doing judo. Uh, I think I was meant for uh, track and field or something like that, but yeah, I just chased him there and uh, that's how I started out in judo. Um, yeah, everything, you travel a long way to, to get anywhere from Motueka, so resources were pretty hard to get and training partners were few and far between, so. How big is Motueka? Uh, about five, over 5,000, something like that, yeah. So it's, it's small? It's really yeah, small. yeah, yeah, it's small, but close to Nelson would be a, okay. the closest city. Christchurch, six hours away. Yeah. And and so what so what happened then? You 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 were you were playing rugby, my understanding is, and then you decided to stop. And what age was that? Yeah, about uh, sixteen. I was I was running around the rugby field and had an, a bit of an epiphany. Looked looked back at my life and just thought, well, you know, what am I really doing here? Uh, I was chasing someone. I stopped. I just kind of looked at judo and how much influence it, it had on my life and so you'd already been doing judo uh yeah i've been doing it since i was eight years old so quite some time before that and uh yeah just thought that reflected on that being in you know, a significant part of who i was and and what i was doing you know uh but uh yeah from there uh just put my hand up coach i want to go off and never went back on um yeah. so, so you went so from there, then you, you went full on into judo training, like you, you pushed all in with judo? Yeah, it was kind of clashing. Both sports were really clashing. I had a few injuries, just overtraining with both sports. And, and I really want to push myself to the limits and see what I could achieve in one or either. Because so. I, I see that as a coach myself, I see with um, young guys, with, with young guys in Australia playing um, rugby league as well, like in, especially in this area, doing wrestling mm. or jiu-jitsu or whatnot. And at some point, that, that moment occurs where they have to, and usually around that age, 15, 16 years old, where they have to pick which one they're gonna do. I guess it's better to identify that earlier rather than later. Commit yourself to one and you know, you're gonna train and compete to your full potential in that sport. Then uh, how did you, because you ended up going to the Commonwealth Games uh, 2014. Yeah. yeah. So I, I knew I'd have to go somewhere big, like leave the country, to leave New Zealand to be good at judo. So when I was uh, 17, uh, I went to Japan for three months and then 
went from purely because everyone was saying like you've got to get to japan if you want to be good at judo go to japan there's just so many people doing judo in japan but uh in my mind you know i wasn't i wasn't japanese i had a different body type than the japanese and all over the world like judo judo was successful you know you got the most judoka in france and and europe is just a hive of of uh you know fighters so you know they have uh a bit of a Bundesliga or a super super campaign like a rugby super rugby kind of division for judo and in, in both France and and uh, Germany and other places around Europe so uh, there's a lot of judo going on um yeah so I went to from Japan to Germany lived How in Germany German- for a year oh for a year yeah so I was there when I was 17 and I don't think anyone believed I was 17 because you know who would be traveling the world committing themselves to a sport when they're 17 everybody my age in germany was still in school or you know getting ready so, to go so to did university you leave school no nah, no nah, I, f- I finished um yeah my parents wanted me to finish school so did that how'd you fund those troops uh just you know pub charity and things like that um i started out really young just earning my way i was working on the farm my first job at 14 was I actually jumped out the window at night and went and worked out at Apple Packhouse. So uh, yeah, it wasn't three days later. My parents found out I was uh, I was yeah jumping out the window every night to go work and and you know make my own way to to get money to actually fund these things. So you know my first I guess sponsor was really he was one of my neighbours back in Motueka. So he um, yeah we had a roadside stall because I lived on a farm and uh, I had planted a crop of potatoes and I sold them that Christmas. I just bagged them up, you know, put them, uh, you know, he was selling a bag for $2, neighbor wanted 10 kilos and he, yeah, gave me $1,000. So, you know, just uh, saw me working hard, wanted to invest in someone that was trying to, so you know. So you basically took advantage of somebody to. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess. That didn't you know. know the price of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck, there's a, there's a lot of money for potatoes, eh? Yeah, it's $1,000. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm sure he paid for those potatoes. I think uh, they cost him about 50 bucks for all those potatoes, and then he went away, and then I ended up with a bit of an envelope in my um, uh, letterbox, my okay. name on it. So, so, so then he's my first investor, I guess. So, so then you were in, in Germany for a year? Yeah, I was in... At 17? Yeah, at 17. And what, what was that experience like? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I was chased around the mat and... Uh, I mean, everybody wanted to headbutt me for the, for that year. So, you know, it was just, it was hard, you know, in Europe, the brawlers. So it was just physically really hard. And uh, yeah, I, I, nobody realized I was 17 to be fair. But when everyone asked my um, age, I was just like, oh, how old do I look? You know, uh, like about 25. And uh, yeah, oh, okay, right. Yeah, about there, about there. I'd never actually tell anyone my age. so. I was actually training with the Olympic team. I was training in an Olympic center and uh, I was training with uh, the Olympic team. They just didn't know how old it was. They just thought I was kind of not up to standard because I was a New Zealander, you know? <laughs> yeah. Is that is that a stigma that people from Oceania carry? Like, uh, I guess so, because they're not in, because there's not a lot of judo here and, and there's not a lot of them around Europe and, and training full time over there. They. You know, they see very few and I guess, yeah, they, they look down on you because you're not from France or you're not like, you know, from from a, a high profile judo country, you know. What were you doing for money when you were in Germany at that time? 
Uh, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just got supported by my parents, I guess. They chucked a bit of money in, biggest sponsor in, in sport, I guess, their parents, right? Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I, I worked at a pub. Um, yeah. Uh, that would go well with your training? Uh, yeah. You know, when yeah, you do well, two a days or three a days? Yeah, that was only the start of it. So, yeah, I worked in an Irish pub. I didn't know much German. Luckily, I learned they don't on the drink way. Drink or anything? The Irish. Yeah, Germans. Germans have got the same reputation, so yeah. it didn't matter what country you're in. And so you, you then, so you're working in a pub, trying to get your judo up to a world standard. Yeah. And um, you now, what, 17, 18 now? Did, were you studying at the time? Did you go to uni? Uh, not yet. I, I had a gap year before I started studying. Uh, my plan was to do exercise science at uh, Massey University. But um, yeah, I, I just went to Germany to get in the deep end and be way out of my depth and get better, right? You need to train with the best to be the best and that's what I did. And what, and, and so then what, why did you leave Germany? Uh, just to progress judo. My visa ran out after a year, so where do you go from there? Like I knew I needed a better job, so I went to Britain. So I needed a way to support myself and uh, earn a bit more money. So I went to Britain, yeah. England's got very good um, judo. Yeah, I actually ended up in Scotland. So oh, okay. I did. I looked at a few universities even around there just to see what was accessible and, and what I could do. I went to Bath, check out Bath. Um, they had a good judo team at the time. Uh, yeah, I also went to London, um, but Edinburgh actually struck me as the best full-time program so the scots are very good judo as well yeah yeah uh, major like yeah a lot of the british team are training in edinburgh uh, or were at the time as well still are um yeah they've got some great coaches up that way and uh yeah ended up spending two years there in scotland yeah that's right yeah so what was that like i was good they had a profession like the most professional program great strength training program um yeah but of course you know like no team you jump into is you know new zealand team so you know the support yeah like the sport was great they did everything for me like they just uh kind of claimed me as one of their team just like in germany you know i got big support wherever i went around the world and and i was kind of putting their programs putting their strength training development uh, well, so that generally they were hospitable except oh, on the mat oh definitely um i guess i was just way out of my depth in germany you know when i was 17 and yeah i yeah i basically trained with the uh, in the olympians that year in germany actually it was Ola bischoff it's one of the main guys i'd be training with and and yeah i mean training with he just threw me around right i was uh he won olympics that year and then that was in um, yeah, and then went back and, and got sick in the next, the following Olympic Games. So, yeah. How uh, how how cool was that for for a young guy to be training with with these got with these world level people? Um, I you know my goal was to be Olympic champion. You know, I always wanted to be the best. Um, I kind of he gave me his medal to put on, and you know I, he was like, oh, "Do you want a photo?" And I was like, "Ah, nah, I'll get one of these." You know, so. Yeah, I don't even have a photo of it, so... <laughs> what, what, um, what did you do for work when you were in Edinburgh and that? Uh, so, oh, 
I because uh, I'm always like as, yeah as, totally you know as teachers and whatnot and when you because like people say for, for example not just you but any of the other guys their journey you know you see say for example Rob we see Mark mm. we see any of these other guys and you go oh that's where they're at today you know we always talk about this um without p- people not not earning their stripes you know yeah and then you 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 think like well you went to the Commonwealth Games you did judo judo's like there's like wrestling there's no money in it there's very little money like oh, even money in it. even the world champions even the very best guys that win the grand prix and that they're still not on soccer player money do you know what i mean no way no no and and the sport's ridiculously hard so how how do you you know it's interesting to see well how did how does the rest of your life happen it didn't just happen like nothing so you were no, so you're for gonna example, make it happen yeah well, well so for example when you're in Germany, you were working of an evening, getting up in the morning for what? So first session seven or eight in the morning. Yeah, I, is that is that a fair assumption? First session was like eight in the morning, and I'll be walking there like a zombie because I, I worked uh, all night as a security. Um, yeah, so I walk into training in the morning, and I'd get on the mat. We'd have about two hours of or an hour and a half, two hours of technical. Uh, then we'd jump in the gym straight after that. Uh, yeah, we'd do a strength training program, which would be an hour, an hour and a half, and then be, yeah, some hours break, and we'd come back at 6, 7 p.m. at that night and, yeah, do randori, which is just straight up brawling, yeah. So what were you doing in Edinburgh for money? I was working... I was working as security uh, for a great amount of that time. Uh yeah it was just you know just the five six six day weeks at night from 10 p.m till three in the morning half past three in the morning yeah and at what point did you start studying again so i did a bit of pt in between those hours as well but uh yeah for majority of that some of that so um yeah i started studying when i first got there so I actually picked up uh, correspondence through Massey University from New Zealand. Um, just just paid for every semester at a time. Um, yeah, every paper, one by one. But I was like going to get my exams done in, in London. It was pretty hard, yeah, to find the money to get to London for my exams, let alone travel around Europe and try and compete. And uh, then fun training, but uh, yeah, training. They they just let me train for free, and and they didn't ask for anything, so that was cool. Okay, yeah. and then from Edinburgh, where'd you go? Hey, is it is is Scotland dark and gloomy and cold and wet all the time? Yeah, there's no sunshine, man. This is about two or three a year, and everyone takes their tops off and soaks up all the sun. Cause uh, we had Rob's manager was up here, and he was talking about it, and he grew up in Scotland uh, yeah. up until he was like fourteen. Yeah. And he was, said exactly what you just said, unprompted yeah. too. You, you just did, said exactly what he said. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's a hard place to live for two years, man. And that's why I came to Sydney, right? Because there's sunshine, man. So you I went, was like missing the sunshine. You went from you went from Scotland here to Sydney straight away? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I came back to Sydney. I was just dreaming, standing on the doors out in the like minus 20 one night. I was just like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck the next place I go, my visa's up. I gotta go. I gotta go to Sydney. Yeah, you've been here before. Yeah, I've been here before. Uh, back when I was in high school, I'd be flying to Auckland like for weekends. So I got uh, fun, like 
funding, pub charity funding to fly up to Auckland for Auckland squad training and national training sessions. And in my holidays, I'd fly over here to Sydney. You got family here? Uh, I've got uh, yeah, a couple of uncles here. Yeah, so uh, one uncle from either side of my family just uh, happened to be in Sydney, so yeah. Okay, so then from Scotland, you ended up here? Yeah, yeah. And, and all the while, you were studying online? Uh, no, nah, like first, the first year in Scotland, I was just too, too overloaded. I just, I was working nights, I was training full time, I'd even walk on the mats, it's a bit dangerous, like I kept getting sick, walked on the mats like a zombie and, and just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not good when, when you've got such a dynamic sport and you have to recover and you have to do all this training, it's, it's, uh, takes its toll, so I actually gave up uh, studying my degree uh, for that, I just kept falling asleep in my books, couldn't concentrate, couldn't even soak it up, but... You know, it's something I really loved and enjoyed. So I, I passed a few papers without doing a lot of study. Um, but yeah, that wasn't good enough I for me. I did a whole degree like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I should have stuck to it. <laughs> it gets easier, you get better at doing that. Yeah, totally, totally. But um, uh, I want to be good at my training, not, not you know, good at my study at the time. I thought 100%. I only had one shot. So, no, no, 100%. You know? And then you, um, you came to Sydney. How old were you when you came to Sydney? Oh, what was 23, 24, something like that, I guess. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, what's the Sydney judo scene like compared to Europe, say? Yeah, so I was, I was coming over here in school holidays and, yeah, I was, yeah, it was, it was good. Like, it's, it's quite... Is the level good? It's somewhere between, I guess, New Zealand and Europe. Yeah. It's broad. Yeah, that's pretty broad. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there, there aren't enough, there are never enough partners, right? Like, there weren't enough partners, especially for me because I was a bit bigger. Um, yeah, there were a few clubs I, I jumped between. So, I was in University of New South Wales Judo Club, so I fought for them, but I'd also go to Zimbu Judo Club, so you've probably been there yourself. Yeah, I know more yeah, really, really yeah. well, yeah. So, great coach, great club, phenomenal club. So, yeah, he'd always help me out and, uh, yeah, let me train there and, and yeah, trained all the, all the other places. Even came to a few sessions with yeah, you. 100%, yeah. So. Did, um, so then <coughs> married that up to Commonwealth Games t- 2014? Yeah, basically between, uh, yeah, as soon as I got here, I, I was uh, I was a coach with UNSW Judo Club. So I'd coach uh judo and i'd work in university of new south wales as a yeah coach or um uh pt so i'd work in the gym there and yeah i'd I'd go away like for three months back to europe or over to japan or somewhere in the world and then i'd come back and i'd start again with my pt and uh you know so i'd have to kind of yeah get that money together keep training and then then go back overseas and and get back into it when when did you complete your studies uh well i didn't cl- no, complete no, your, degree. your diploma because you have a diploma in sport and fitness. yeah so as soon as i got here I, I did did that but uh yeah was that hard for you to manage uh no it was a lot easier doing the the diploma because you could do it whenever you liked it was yeah you, you didn't have the big you know the big exams you could just yeah it was just a whole lot easier um, you know conversations we've had like 
separate conversations to other things we talk about. Like, um, I think now there's more grappling clubs. No, I think for sure there is more grappling clubs in in um, Sydney. Yeah. Than twenty years ago, ten years ago, five years ago. Um, there's a lot more grappling clubs. There's a lot more, I guess. Well, the internet. There's more. Oh, totally. Yeah. Knowledge as to w- what's out there and whatnot. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the transition from when you came up and being from a small town, and uh, you know, dealing with injuries, training, etc. Like, what's that like? And because well, I think you said to me you're running your own podcast now, yeah. And uh, one of the things behind that, the motivation behind that, is to be able to create resources for people to be able to use use it, which you didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. So I, I trained and competed, you know, like for ten to fifteen years, and and I didn't have a lot of money. I was making my own way. So you know, all my time went into either training and being the best athlete I could, or you know, like earning that money to fund that that dream so I yeah I didn't have a lot of money to spend on you know physios and 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 stuff outside that so you know especially that mentality of you know just harden harden up like just gotta harden up just keep training you know and that's a good way to get injured as well yeah it's a great way to get injured trust me I've had five surgeries now so and you all all at, all at you know like while I was training, competing purely because I ignored those uh, those warning signs, which were uh, how old are you? Uh, Twenty eight. And what what were the surgeries you've had? Uh, so yeah, I've had ACL recon. Yeah. So what else? Groin reconstruction. That's like a adductor repair, conjoint tendon repair, and and groinal hernia repair. Yeah. Uh, I've had opera, I operate on foot twice, and I've had wrist surgery, two wrist surgeries, one on either side. Wrist reconstructive yeah. surgery. Um, so I had a lunar ligament reconstruction. It was the Com Games year, so 2014, and I was in Belgium. Uh, I was in a training camp, and I got my hand stuck in someone's gi. So I was at the time I was throwing somebody, was trying to throw somebody and my hand was stuck i went to just reverse that and get out of there and he counted my throw and ended up on top of me with my hand just yeah snapped the ligament just stuck in between me and him yeah and so, so what do you well i ha- just how'd you get to the games i i was qualifying um i had qualified i think by that time um but yeah, I snapped, I uh, just went to the Canadian physio. I was just like, oh, what's up with my hand? It's going to be all right. Because in three days, I had the Paris Grand Slam. So uh, that's like the biggest competition in... Yeah. One of the biggest in the world. Uh, yeah, it's huge. But yeah, so I, was, I just... She's like, oh, just stay out of training for a few days. You'll be fine. So I competed with one arm. And then after that, you got a training camp. And then I went to the Dusseldorf Grand Prix, which is another big one. And then I had a training camp after that for another four days before I went to Prague. I had a competition there before I went to another Olympic training center in Germany. And I trained there for the next two weeks. So I did have uh, a few physio appointments in between. So uh, after Dusseldorf Grand Prix, they have a training camp in the Olympic training center that I was 
training in and in 2007 2008 2008 yeah when i first went over there and uh, they gave me free physio and stuff and they just put some zappy things on my wrist be fine you know it's just a bit of swelling and then when i was in the olympic other olympic training center in germany uh i had two weeks there and and their sports doctor was just like don't worry about it you need you need to like don't be a pussy that's what he said to me he's like don't be a pussy you don't need to <laughs> where's this guy from oh he's from germany it was olympic uh, uh <laughs> yeah it was olympic um he was the olympic training center doctor yeah so he's yeah. a sports physician in that facility and i was taping it up he's like oh you don't he he said this while he was like wiggling my wrist trying to click it back in right so yeah we, i just kept falling out pretty much the, the joint kept dislocating so you know one of the things i found with those with, oh, sorry you, you, did you <laughs> that's insane <laughs> harden up your wrist is it <laughs> yeah yeah well he was putting it back in too and uh, a can of concrete. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you know, one of the things that um, I've got just from seeing people training like all around the world and just being around in different places. And I've, I've travelled all over as well. And I see countries that have like uh, big numbers of athletes. Mm. And you know, there's that. Oh, just harden up, and you go. You know, because the way they do that, and then these guys, you know, that you develop them really tough and blah blah blah. And I think. I was just talking about it with my friend the other day and I'm like, no, you know what it is, is that you've got so many people that when you mm. say that to a kid, it doesn't matter because you don't see the kid anymore. Yeah. And then you just see mm. the next one pop up. Yeah. Do you give no it a problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, and, and that's all it is. And, I, and I, I've worked with, um, with rugby league and I'm not, 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 with rugby league, rugby union, different rugby codes here in Australia. And I see some of that attitude as well in, in the rugby league because there's so many good talented kids that come through mm. and I've seen kids with teams not necessarily that I've worked with but maybe in a, on, a, on another team that at 16, 17 years old shouldn't shouldn't be back on the field shouldn't be back on playing or a kid's been knocked out mm. if he was boxing if he was doing amateur boxing he'd have like a medical suspension for yeah, know, totally. 60 days you know 90 <laughs> days and they're like no, mate, he splash some water and get back, back back on the field, you know? Yeah. And, and those diagnoses that, that, you know, people give and they go, just harden up, mate, you'll be right. And it's crazy, but they've got so many judoka that they don't give a shit. Either he's right and he's the oracle or he's not and it's not <laughs> his problem, you know? Who yeah, gives a shit? you should be more resilient. Yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. So, but your, your injury wasn't a small injury. You had, you no, no, I knew something was seriously wrong. Uh, yeah, the next day I, I was coming out of training. He's like, well, what you got it strapped up for? He's outside <laughs> having a cigarette. <laughs> the doctor's smoking and too. What yeah, basically, doing? I came back to uh, Sydney and I went to see my physio straight away because I knew I had comp games coming up in about three three months. And he was just like, he just wiggled my wrist. He's like, look, man, we need to get you into surgery right now. Like, comp games may not be an option for you. And I'm like, yeah. So I went into surgery like the next week. Yeah. Um, so the week after they told me it was, I should just harden up. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what the problem is as well when you go to that, and that's like with Robin that we've, we've talked about that heaps. Like you can go overseas and it's like the best camp in the world. But if it's not your camp with your people that they give yeah, a they shit don't, about, they don't, they don't give, give a, a fuck, man. They don't care. They'll, I'll see that. Like I've been to totally. places 
and uh, you see people just get left on the side, you know what I mean? Especially <laughs> like, like literally, it's like yeah. Lord of the Flies shit, you know? Um, what's, what's it like traveling and competing all around the world in the Paris Grand Slam and all those other big competitions? What's that like? What's that experience like? Uh, you know, competing is next level. You got the biggest crowds. You, yeah, all, yeah, in Japan, Japan's massive as well. You know, Brazil's huge. Uh, yeah, you mean the experience from? Yeah, just uh, like because like, like I, I think what did I see and do, or how did I, how nah, did that I, feel to be on the biggest stages in the world? Either or, because I think again, like I think wrestling, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu they're all sports that people don't realize like these guys are not making money they're just traveling the world like competing against each other on on these circuits you know what i mean like and there's no money like the, you see like the kids we had uh sergio penna here yesterday and he's talking about his son did like 55 matches in a season as a freshman in high school or something and um i think he ended up being an all-american and they gave him like a medal like this big you know, <laughs> no money. There's no nothing. It's just like good on your champ. And yeah, totally. judo, judo is much the same. Like judo is much the same. But so what's a, what's for for people that aren't judoka that don't aren't wrestlers or don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It seems kind of counterproductive and insane. And um, dude, you like I'm you know like but you're insane too. Yeah. <laughs> diagnosed. Uh, um, no, but what's it like traveling um, the world for little to no money, spending yeah. all your money, getting injured, being at the mercy of these uh, doctors and whatnot? What's that like? What's well, that? It's great, man. It's great. Uh, well, I think what makes judo so special is so widespread. You know, it's got the widest spread medal tally of the Olympic Games. You know, there's so much competition and people don't realize that there's so much competition and you know it's not just the money because you know in some countries they're they're um they're competing for a better life you know what i mean they're, they're taken from poverty or everybody gets the same in that country as in you know some soviet russian soviet ex-soviet country uh, country or you know russia for that matter and you know they're given houses they're given cars and a lavish life to live if, if they're champion, you know? So, max, you know, gold medals any country will get is like two, right? So, maybe three, if they're lucky. Um, yeah, it's just so widespread, so much competition, it's not just money. You know, you're fighting for glory, but, um, yeah, I just felt like there was something in me that I thought, you know, I'm, I'm the one, like, I'm the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, what, was, what was the transition? So you went to the Commonwealth Games. How'd you go in the Commonwealth Games? Uh, so, yeah, like I had wrist surgery, obviously, three weeks before. And then, yeah, I went back to Europe about a month and a half after. I was just strapped up my wrist and went back to Europe to get in competition uh, a condition. So, yeah, I was training, doing the training camps through Europe on my last... Couple, uh, it was my last day of the last camp... I uh, fell on my side and popped my sternum and pulled some muscles in my back. So I went to Com Games, you know, not not being able to grip anything, not being able to turn. But uh, yeah, won my my first one and then yeah my second one. I lost on a penalty and then my third one. I lot yeah I lost on a penalty as well. So yeah, 
And then so the transition from athlete to what is it you do now? Like, what, what are you doing now? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, training competing for, you know, yeah, over 10 years is kind of, you know, I, I want to give back to the fight community, basically. I, I traveled this path, you know, learning and educating myself in the, in the sport and fitness and strength and conditioning side of things to complement my uh, my sport and where I was going with it so I knew from an early age that's that's what I wanted to do and that's you know both would help the other and in, in long term I looked past my career as an athlete and said well if, if I'm going to if I, I'm going to be the best at the sport you know if I invest so many years in, of practice and development into this one sport you know I wanted to really align with you know I want some you know something else my career my possible career with to reflect with with that so uh basically so yeah i just i just wanted to perform at my best so i looked at uh, strength and conditioning and developing my knowledge in that area but you know now it's about giving back you know i don't want other athletes their visions their dreams to die in vain like mine did i i just feel like i can you know, with all that experience in my sport and in strength and conditioning, I can give back to to other athletes. And when you say dying vain, what do you mean by that? And uh, in, in vain, I mean, you know, when when if you could overcome, uh, say, injuries, if you didn't have those injuries, if you had resources, if you had the means to train better within your sport, you know, you you're much more likely to achieve your dream, right? So, yeah, I just want to make ensure that no one falls in those to those hurdles like I did. I think it's hard um, being where we are in the world. A lot of the times, um, like in these particular niche sports kind of thing, like because when you do go overseas, you you you're not with your team or you're not with people surrounding you don't have that infrastructure and, and, and it's massive and people don't mm. I think a lot of the young athletes unless you've got big bankroll behind you or something but um, exactly what you said like you go to a particular country but unless it one the first thing I, I, I see in a lot of the countries that are, are hotbeds of these combat sports or any sport really for that matter like there's so many guys that it's not necessarily even the best program. There's just so many guys. And my mum could train them, and the best guys are still, you know what I mean. The best guy, and if you do it over like say 50 years, the best guys are going to rise to the top. The best guys, the best out of those guys, are going to become coaches. But not necessarily is the best care being given. And if you're an outsider, it's not. It's very hard. It's very very hard. And I think. Um, a lot of young guys don't understand that when they're going over there and, and probably that's what happened with you as well like mm. and it's hard because you're just kind of having to diagnose your own injuries look after you you look after yourself in that regard yeah you got to have your own back <laughs> it's hard but it's yeah. a real real hard thing dave do you have any questions at all um i was interested in in your motivation so pretty much so you you left at the age of 17 decided to go across the whole world in a sport that you kind of knew wasn't overly going to make you a millionaire um come back see some wicked doctors who tell you to harden up break <laughs> different parts of your body and then ultimately after all that you come back and you're telling us now that you want to 
you, you become a, a, a coach so that people in your position could achieve more because you have the skills inside you now to tell people about, you know, this is probably a safer way how to do it. So if I was you at 17, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I would totally tell myself to, yeah, go see a physio, go see a doctor, you know, but the, the amount of times I've been misdiagnosed is astronomical too, right? Like, so, you know, all around, Europe, I, like I said before, I got those mixed misdiagnosed, you know, mi- I was misdiagnosed before Commonwealth Games, actually, um, I had an impingement. What they told me was an impingement in my hip, which turned out to be uh, an engroinal hernia, <laughs> which turned out to be not just an engroinal hernia, but a torn adductor and a torn conjoint tendon. And I know, I know the torn... Uh, Engroinal hernia happened like like some years before. I think it started in the Olympic camp when I was in 2008. Like I just didn't get it treated, and and I know I tore my adductor when I was training in Uzbekistan. So I was training at the Olympic training facility for three months in Uzbekistan. Uh, that was yeah, I think 2014. Looking towards two, uh, 2016 Olympic Games. And yeah, I, was, I just tore my adductor after training, so I was stretching and yeah, it's just uh, you know someone tried to play a joke on me, and just thought, oh yeah, we'll just pull on that extra bit further like you do, and yeah, just tore you my tore adductor. It. Awesome, yeah, Thank great, you. thanks, mate. <laughs> but uh, I think that was because you know I must have tore the the conjoint tendon already and inguinal hernia, like nothing's avoided anything. So I mean, if I was to say one thing, just uh, yeah yeah like take the take the doctor's advice like with a grain of salt of course but <laughs> yeah it's uh, i think what, one of the things on on that with we saying with mark about like um w- what i what i see with with um with young guys that are that are competing is um the first thing i would say to them is like what's their motivation behind going like if it's I think Mark is one of the rare people that is going to go to to Europe and he's going to train and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas a, a lot of times, kids go over there and they want to party and train a little bit, and then that that's the first thing I say to you: if, you, if that's what you want to do, just just go and party. You know what I mean? Because the two things are not going to mix. You know what I mean? And uh, then this the other thing I, I I think with with young people like that is have you and depending on the sport, obviously, because like say wrestling and judo, it's reasonably limited here. Um, there are some good clubs, but it's still limited as far as competition. But the second thing I would say is, have you exhausted? And th- th- I honestly would say this, for you, I think it's a little bit different because you came from a tiny town. But, totally. when, but when people are in Sydney, and I, I say this to people, Rob says this to people all the time from, from a fighting perspective is, have you actually exhausted all the resources that Sydney, for I can only speak of mm. Sydney, Sydney has available to you. Because I'm not talking about if you're like from Burke or something like that, then yeah, you're gonna have to probably come to Sydney. But have you actually exhausted all those avenues, gone through all your partners, etc., and 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 then now you can go overseas. That's that would be my advice because um, 
if you don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning to go to the first morning session in Sydney, you're not going to want to. You're not going to survive overseas. Nah. Do you nah. know what I mean? Nah. I didn't, first of all, I didn't go overseas and party because I had no money to party. <laughs> <laughs> like I was barely getting by. Like I barely had food on the table. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been luxury, but I didn't have that. So. Uh, yeah i mean definitely man especially like here in sydney it's a hub right when i was when i was 17 or even younger than that when i realized my goal was that because i was actually in the new zealand institute of sport and uh they'd be doing a bit of programming for me and my strength training stuff which was back in the day was like oh here's uh you know your phase one of bosu ball training you know yeah, yeah. and yeah from there it was like oh look you know we can't support you if you're thinking about going overseas and i was like well to get better i need to train with the best and the best aren't here they're overseas so and i knew i needed to move like majority of people going to auckland but i just wanted to think bigger than that and yeah like i knew i had one shot so i went to where the big guns were yeah all right no because uh yeah look you 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 you, so the the new zealand scene versus the, the Australian scene in judo, is mm. New Zealand a lot smaller? Uh, a lot smaller, yeah. yeah. In, in, in terms of judoka? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's so widespread in New Zealand. And you've got a few training overseas, so you've never really got the best training in one spot. And that's a problem. Like, I would have drove for six hours to get to you know, the next biggest city. I was training between two clubs in my hometown, which is Nelson and Motueka. I really belonged to like both clubs like they were and that's why I like your mentality when it comes to coaching you're like you know you tell people like you need to go to the best spot for the best thing and and you put it together right you put the training yeah, program yeah. together and and that's why I was interested in your philosophy on you know not not oh you can't train anywhere else because my coach came to me at I think it was 15 or 16 he said look Mark you need to look bigger than us if you want to like I think you can go all the way if if you think you can go all the way you gotta you know you, you gotta step your foot in the deep end and get out of here cause you've outgrown me a long time ago and you know I can't facilitate everything you need right here so yeah that's it like it's tough from those tiny little and I, I wish so many other coaches would do the same like you know they would let their coaches train other places you know cause the competition's never always in one place like so yeah, Dave. Um, so, Mark. So now you're you're doing some strength and conditioning training. Where, whereabouts are you doing that, and where can people find you? How can people find you? So I'm based in uh, Fitness Playground. And where, where is that? So that's in Surrey Hills. Um, yeah, there's a few fitness playgrounds around here in Sydney, but yeah, I'm, I'm based in Surrey Hills, uh, just on Elizabeth Street, just outside Central Station, and. Yeah, basically now um, I'm trying to create resources for fighters uh, like uh, Fighters Performance Podcast, which uh, I've invited you to be featured on uh, last week. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, so, you know, you know bit of advice from Fab and, and drawing on I, his I experience. I don't know if you want to follow my advice, but... Yeah, but your, but your, uh, your, your, your podcast called Fighters Performance... Podcast. Podcast. Yep. Where can we so, find that? Uh, it will be launched this week um 
yeah i'm just i'm really bad at the technical side of things but that's a resource another resource for fighters absolutely and yeah that's what i'm driven to do so it's been the last few years like coaching you know the athletic demographic so people that are involved in sports and and uh sport as their passion you know they're trying to improve their performance but you know it was uh, late last year where i realized look you know the real reason i'm here is because yeah of 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 judo and my background in fighting sport and i want to see other fighters train and compete to the level that you know they can without with with the resources so i, I want to really uh, make information available for them so they can uh, make their choices to you know draw on that and yeah take advice where are yeah, you to, coaching to put them in the right direction um i train at uts or coach at uts so uts judo club okay yeah, yeah has a big is it a big gym big club uh so started back in may i'm just i'm just helping out with the coaching and a bit of the curriculum and yeah i'm just helping them establish the club there all right cool yeah so just in closing mark where can we find you like uh, on instagram uh twitter look how, how can you where, where can people find you if they want to um some of your coaching some of your expertise to what's your instagram your twitter and that um so yeah you, you can find me um uh, so i i run i ran a business called uh, strength alchemy you can find me at strength alchemy uh on instagram or uh, or on facebook uh you can also yeah reach me on fighters performance anywhere on instagram or facebook um yeah reach out no worries. yeah email me on mark at fightersperformance.com.au beautiful mark thank you very much for your time um i know you're very busy and thank you for coming out and seeing us no thanks worries a lot. man thank you thanks dave thank you. thank you cheers fab thank you mark thanks a lot mark